0: Welcome to the RCAP USA Roundup. Today's episode features RCAP USA CEO Bill Bullard in his weekly address. This week's episode discusses how land grant university economists and state attorneys general view AMAs very differently. Hello, I'm Bill Bullard with RCAP USA, the voice of the independent cattle producer in the United States of America. Well, two days before the House Ag Committee held a hearing last year to review the state of the U.S. livestock industry, our esteemed land grant university economists submitted their report arguing that Alternative Marketing Agreements, or AMAs, which are used today for 80% of fed cattle trade, provide significant cost savings and quality improvements. And they argued that limiting AMAs would cause economic harm to both cattle producers and consumers. These economists further argued that legislation like the 5014 bill, Senate Bill 949, which would require packers to increase the volume of cattle they purchase in the negotiated cash market to at least the 50% level, would reduce the current volume of cattle that packers procure through AMAs, and this would have the unintended consequence of doing economic harm to cattle producers and beef eaters. And then these economists argued that AMAs are not captive supply agreements at all, because, they say, the inventory of cattle under an AMA is neither captive nor under the control of the packer. Well, according to these economists, AMAs are truly wonderful contracts, and limiting them in any way would mean disaster for U.S. cattle producers. Now, many U.S. Senators believe these esteemed economists, so much so that they threw Senator Grassley's Senate Bill 949 aside and came up with a compromise bill. That compromise bill specifically directs the Secretary of Agriculture to accord great weight to AMAs, telling him that the current volume of AMAs must be considered before determining how much negotiated cash volume is needed to achieve price discovery. In other words, if the volume of AMAs is already high, then the volume of trade in the negotiated cash market must not be increased very much. Now, if you were team packer, you could have won the Super Bowl with cheerleaders like this. But is any of this even true? Are AMAs instruments of prosperity for America's cattle producers? Or are AMAs the beef packer's instrument of choice for leveraging down cattle prices and reducing prosperity for producers? Well, recall the December letter from 16 state attorneys general to Secretary Vilsack. In that letter... The 16 state antitrust enforcers listed the increased use of AMAs as one of the three critical factors that now threaten independent producer profitability and result in the loss of cattle producers. So why did they say that? Well, they said that AMAs reduce packer demand in the cash market, which suppresses prices and makes producers more beholden to the packers. And they elaborated on this, saying that AMAs move demand away from the cash market, which not only decreases the market prices, but also reduces the eventual price paid to the producers who have AMAs tied to the cash market price. They said that AMAs create captive supply chains for the packers and are an instrument of vertical integration. In fact, an instrument of chickenization. They said this. Chicken markets began shifting in the direction of AMAs and vertical integration dating back as far as the 1960s, and since then has evolved into an industry where processors effectively control all aspects of production, even owning the animals and the feed, and paying farmers to raise the chickens, leaving them with the financial risk of facilities needed for production. And after the chicken industry, the packers used AMAs to eliminate hog producers from the hog industry, and it worked there too. 75% 75% of all hog farmers exited the hog industry just between 1990 and 2012. The 16 state antitrust regulators appeared to strongly disagree with the esteemed land-grant university economists. Unlike the economist cheerleaders, the regulators seemed to suggest that AMAs are the packers' instrument of choice with which to chickenize the cattle industry. But we can look at this ourselves. After all, Tyson provided a copy of the AMA it had with the Easter Day ranches. It was a three-year contract for between 145000 and 180500 cattle each year. It provides that Tyson reimburses Easter Day for the cost of the cattle, cost of the feed, and the cost of managing the feeding and growing of the cattle. So how many independent cattle feeders, who have to go to the bank to borrow money for feeder calves, and for some or all of the feed to feed those calves, would want to sit in the auction yard and compete with a large cattle feeder who has an AMA like Easter Days? And if feeder calf prices are up, but fed cattle prices fall, how many independent feeders would go broke while the larger feeders with AMAs like Easter Days keep filling their pens? It's time to tell Congress the emperor has no clothes. And to learn how you can help, help to silence the Packers cheerleaders, go to www.labelourbeef.com. And also go to our website at www.r-calfusa.com. Join with us. Help us win this fight. With that, have a productive week. Thank you and goodbye. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the RCAF USA Roundup. To learn more about RCAF USA, visit our website www.r calfusa.com.